know who you are. We're coming for you right now. Uh, we are on our way. Uh, it would be probably better if you uh, called uh, the OPP right now. Warning sign. The bizarre highway altercation that tied up traffic for a big chunk of the day and led to a widespread search by police. But we begin with a developing story in Toronto's Midtown. A person is fighting for their life in hospital right now after being hit by a falling light pole. CTV's Beth McDonnell is at the scene right now and joins us to explain how this happened. Beth? A lot of concern tonight. I'm on Hillsdale, just south of Eglinton, and around 3.15, there was a collision, a vehicle hit the light pole. It's just beside me right here, striking a person. And this person, Toronto police say, is in life-threatening condition. Talking to people in the area, my understanding is that the truck was reversing when this collision occurred. Toronto police still need to confirm exactly what happened. I've also learned from people in the area that the person struck was a woman. Here's what they had to say. The lady was uh, unresponsive. Uh, when I arrived, paramedics were on the scene uh, doing their best just to get her uh, in good enough shape to be transported to hospital. And then they, she was taken shortly after. And you saw her in Yep. And young, older? Maybe a bit older than middle-aged or so. I'm just chilling because everybody was phoning me to make sure I was okay. But uh, my daughter had just come home, drove around the corner, saw the, uh, the ambulance just got here, the fire trucks just got here. And she got out of her car because she knows I'm home. I had a heart attack, so I don't go anywhere. And she thought it was me. Like, she didn't know. And she stayed and saw it was a lady. It wasn't me. We are hoping to connect with Toronto Police to learn more about this collision, exactly how it occurred. Adding to the concern and confusion here tonight was a large power outage. The lights were out here for about 30 minutes and people were wondering if it was connected to the light pole. It's wider than that, this power outage. The lights have since come back on, but people are still stopping hoping that this woman is okay. Now I'll send it back to Pauline in the newsroom. Thanks very much, Beth. If you or your loved ones are traveling along the 401 near Whitby tonight, be thankful if the traffic is flowing well. Earlier today, it was not, all due to an errant trucker who brought down a giant highway structure. CTV Scott Lightfoot joins us now from where this all took place with the latest Scott. Well, Michelle, and you can see the volume of traffic that flows along here. That is what police say makes it incredibly fortunate that no vehicles were struck. No people in those vehicles were injured when the sign came down this morning. Tonight, police say the man who was driving the truck that brought down the sign is facing charges. It was a sign from above that ended up right in front of motorists traveling west along the 401 through Whitby this morning. Witnesses reported seeing a full-size uh, transport truck with a box up. It was, haul it was a uh, recycling or a scrap type uh, container uh, trailer that was lifted. Uh, the driver struck the sign, obviously causing it to buckle and collapse. The driver did stop right here where I'm standing, lowered the box, was last seen uh, exiting at Brock Street in Whitby. It was just after 8 this morning when the large overhead highway sign came down. Police closed all of the westbound lanes of Canada's busiest highway 
just east of Brock Street, putting the brakes on hundreds of drivers who ended up stuck on the 401. Some, anticipating a long wait, were seen walking along the highway with food from nearby restaurants. They have been turning cars around for the last hour already, trying to get them back up to Thixon Road. You know, I know that intersection itself is jammed. Uh, you know, it, it can't handle that kind of volume coming off the 401, forcing all traffic in there. By late morning, a crane was brought to the scene, and just after 11, workers were able to carefully lift the sign off of the highway and move it to the side of the road. Once the sign was removed, transports, too big to have turned around, were able to continue on their route. Work then began on taking apart the sign and getting the highway reopened. We know who you are. We're coming for you right now. OPP say when the driver stopped after striking the sign, a motorist managed to snap a photo of the truck involved, which led them to this Brampton property mid-afternoon. Officers could be seen inspecting the truck, which police say had damage to the ladder on the box, and paint, which appeared to be from the toppled highway sign. We are now uh, speaking with the driver and the company to determine exactly what happened, why it happened, and how we can prevent this from happening again. And after speaking with the driver, police have now laid three charges against a 24-year-old man from Brampton. Those charges are overheight vehicle, failed to remain, and careless driving. Pointing live from Whitby, I'm Scott Lightfoot. Michelle, back to you. Thanks, Scott. Drivers also facing headaches on the other side of the GTA for much of the day, but not because of any overhead issues. No, nope, this one was caused by a problem from underneath the roads, and what a mess it has caused. Our Janice Golding is in Mississauga tonight to tell us more. Janice? Hi, Pauline. Yes, crews have been working hard all day at two separate water main breaks in the city of Mississauga that have caused major flooding and required road closures. In fact, here on the lakeshore, the water was actually waist deep yesterday afternoon. Two cars, one with hazards flashing, are submerged nearly to their windows, stranded after their drivers got stuck trying to drive through heavy flooding following a massive water main break on Lakeshore Road between Lorne Park and Mississauga Roads. They're dumbfounded. Well, it's kind of scary. A little bit scary, you know. Peel Regional Police say they were first notified about the water main break around 4.30 yesterday afternoon and arrived to find two people who had to be helped from their cars after they became trapped. There was a gentleman who was stuck in his car down here a while ago, like a, yesterday. He's, you know, he, he's fine now, but he had to get taken out because it was flooded right down there. He tried to drive his car right through it, so that's what happens. So you saw him stuck? Yeah. Water was shut off in the area and the roadway closed in both directions as crews began cleanup work to repair the break and address sinkholes that began forming. It's okay. We still have a walkway right here. Okay. So we're good. No big deal. I'm sure they'll clean it up pretty quick. Meanwhile, another severe water main break was causing traffic headaches at McLaughlin Road and Courtney Park Drive. Just for going southbound, I would say so, yes, because we'd have to go all the way around to the opposite side, but... It is what it is. Police say they received a call about flooding in the area just before 7.30 a.m. and began advising motorists to find alternate routes. We had no idea about it. Still, many people were surprised to find roadblocks in the area this afternoon. Back here on the lakeshore, police originally expected the roadway to reopen at around 5 o'clock today. However, as you might be able to see and hear, works crews are still hard at work. Uh, there is a lot of work to be done yet, they tell me, and they do not expect the road to reopen until sometime tomorrow afternoon. Reporting live, Janice Golding, now back to Pauline. Thank you, Janice.
Several police associations are pledging to work together after the killings of five officers across the country over the last four months. The announcement comes days after first responders gathered in Barrie for the funeral of OPP Constable Greg Pershala. The 28-year-old officer was shot and killed in the line of duty on December 27th. The Toronto Police Association and provincial and federal counterparts say they'll work to identify the root causes behind the recent string of officer deaths. Top focuses will include bail and sentencing policies and what they call a growing and chronic shortage of police officers. Critics say handing more money to police will not result in safer communities. Funding for police in Toronto is a big part of the city's new budget plan, and so is new cash for critical services. The mayor tonight hoping an $800 million injection will ease recent frontline shortages that have angered residents and workers alike. CTV's Andrew Brennan joins us now with those details. And Andrew, what is the mayor promising? Well, Michelle, let's go back to our top story tonight. When something as inconceivable as a light pole falling on someone that they're in a city of three million people with paramedics needing to be everywhere, that there will be someone there to offer help. Not cutting frontline services. That's been John Tory's message this week as he once again unveils piecemeal, a slice of the proposed city budget coming next Tuesday. Despite revenue shortfalls from the pandemic and added costs, the mayor has been branding these announcements around investing in safety. This city is growing. We are constantly trying to find better and better ways to do things. But you cannot have a growing city and not have the first responders of all kind, police, firefighters and ambulance, available to meet the needs of a growing city. The mayor says his budget will have over $315 million for paramedics, an increase of $21 million from last year. Part of that will pay to fill 250 positions, of which 66 are new jobs. As for the fire department, he's proposing about $524 million and to hire 200 firefighters, including 52 new positions. Tory says it's not lost on him. The Auditor General has been critical of emergency response times, and this week the Paramedics Union issued its own code red, saying Toronto paramedics are being crushed under the weight of heavy workloads sustaining high injury rates. The result is less paramedics on the roads, longer ambulance wait times and higher insurance board payments. Toronto City Council must invest money to deliver better care. There are other things the mayor says are in the province's court. You've probably seen the lineups of ambulances and police cars outside of hospitals. This is, of course, not good for the patients, and it is inefficient and sometimes dangerous. Four days, four different announcements on a budget yet to be released. If that feels different than in years past, that's because, well, it is. The mayor says it's all due to him now having more power and influence on what goes into the budget. Previously with the city, the staff was preparing the budget and presenting it to the public and to the politicians for their consideration. I am now presenting that budget for the public's consideration based on changes made to the law. Part of strong mayor powers for a mayor wanting to be strong on safety. And a few minutes ago, I received a response from the Toronto Paramedics Union saying that, in part, while this is a good start, it does not address a system in crisis with countless burning out with resignations, attrition and recruitment lags and retirement. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan. Pauline, we'll send it back to you inside. Thanks, Andrew. 
The issues within our health care system go beyond just getting to a doctor. Still ahead, the story of one woman stuck abroad because of a hospital bed shortage. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Toronto police are trying to identify two people accused of selling a home that didn't belong to them. Back in January of 2022, investigators say two Etobicoke homeowners left Canada on a business trip. At some point, two suspects, a man and a woman, used fake ID, hired a real estate agent, and listed the property for sale. Somehow, that sale went ahead and the buyers took possession. The real homeowners only found out about what happened several months later. Anyone with information on these suspects is asked to contact Toronto Police. Durham Police say they've dealt a major blow against fentanyl trafficking in the region. Police launched Project Econoline last April. Over five months, they executed dozens of search warrants across the GTA, seizing fentanyl, other drugs, cash and weapons. Investigators say drugs with a street value of $1.1 million were located. 44 individuals were arrested and 149 criminal and drug charges were laid. Police say their efforts made a significant impact on the availability of fentanyl in areas experiencing high overdose rates. A pedestrian is in hospital after a hit and run this morning in Mississauga. It happened around 7 a.m. at Torbrum Road and Drew Road. Peel Regional Police say a woman was hit and transported to a local hospital with serious but non-life-threatening injuries. Investigators say a dark sedan was spotted leaving the scene. Roads in the area have since reopened. High above the city tonight and a live look at another decent night. Lots of people likely hoping, hoping that this warmish winter weather will carry into the weekend. Lindsay Morrison is here now with a look at the current conditions. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Pauline. And yes, I do have a feeling that some people have found the last several days to be quite comfortable here in southern Ontario. Will it last? That's the big question. Here's a look at the satellite and radar right now. We have a couple of wet flurries impacting some areas, but very isolated at this time. Uh, many areas remain dry. We have breezy winds out of the west, not overly strong. Temperatures remain mild, though. It's four degrees this hour in Oshawa, three in Welland, and two at Pearson International. It is possible that we could slip below freezing tonight, and if that happens, it puts the end to about a 10-day streak of above freezing temperatures here in the city of Toronto. We're going to talk more about this, and are you missing the sun? It is set to return this weekend. We'll show you when coming up. For now, Michelle, over to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Turning to another developing story that may have affected a lot of you watching tonight, you might have had dinner in the dark. Early this evening, a number of neighborhoods were hit by a power outage, including Midtown Toronto, Scarborough and North York. This is a live shot from our CTV News Chopper near Markham and Ellesmere. You get a sense of the areas where there's an outage. This outage beginning shortly before 5.30 this evening, about 30, 40 minutes ago. Toronto Hydro says it is aware of the issue, citing a loss of supply from Hydro One. We do not know the extent just how many customers have been affected here, but power has been restored to a majority of people. We'll continue to keep on this issue and bring you some updates when they become available. Provincial police are circling the Ford government tonight over its handling of the Greenbelt file. Officers confirm they are looking into complaints about recent land purchases in the area. Our Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain. Siobhan. On mid-December, Democracy Watch and Environmental Defense asked the OPP to look into who knew what, when, and how they knew it when it comes to the Greenbelt. They allege that there may be something criminal going on. The OPP has been making phone calls to find out if there's any fire behind that smoke. 
Investigators with the OPP anti-brackets branch have been poking around since mid-December. They're determining if there are grounds for a full investigation of plans to develop parts of the Greenbelt. The government wants to build 50,000 homes on 15 parcels of land. Investigations by CTV News and other outlets reveal one parcel of farmland near Newmarket was snapped up for $80 million two months before changes were proposed. It defies any reason that the people doing these transactions didn't know the land was going to be opened up. So the, it's up to the OPP to find out how they knew. Environmental Defense's executive director met with provincial police a few weeks ago. We've provided every support that we can, uh, not just in terms of asking them to do it, but in pointing them in the right direction as much as possible as to where they might go. Phil Pothin insists he can't say much else. The OPP asked us not to reveal uh, details of those discussions. The discussions do not appear to have extended to Queen's Park. No one in the Premier's office or any member of the government has been contacted and no documents have been requested by the OPP on this matter, says a spokesperson for the Premier's office. The government has maintained it didn't tip anyone off. No. Yeah, I can confirm that, but again, we had very strict criteria. Those denials aren't sufficient for those who want a police probe. If the minister is saying that it wasn't him, that's fine. We need to find out who it was, whether it's someone within his office or someone, uh, uh, a civil servant. Provincial police haven't said who they're talking to. This whole process does not pass the smell test. It really doesn't. But Yvonne Councillor has questioned the selection rules. Other developers whose lands weren't picked have insisted theirs were more shovel ready. Opposition parties have asked the Integrity Commissioner and the Auditor General to also take a look at the Greenbelt file. Those offices say they're still looking at the facts. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Overseas, Russian and Ukrainian forces exchanged artillery fire on the front lines today. That's despite Moscow saying it had ordered its troops to stop firing for a 36-hour unilateral truce. Authorities in the Ukrainian city of Kherson released video showing shelling aftermath before the ceasefire was to begin. The Kremlin said it was to observe Russian Orthodox Christmas, but Ukraine said they had no intention of stopping fighting, rejecting the purported truce as a stunt by Moscow to buy time to reinforce its troops. This is the second anniversary of the storming of the U.S. Capitol. At the White House today, the Presidential Citizens Medal was awarded to 14 people for their service to the country on that day and beyond. You held the line that day, and what was on the line was our democracy. And history will remember your names. And history will remember your names. They'll remember your courage. They'll remember your bravery. The recipients include Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman. He diverted rioters from the Senate floor while lawmakers were evacuating. Family members of fellow officer Brian Sicknick accepted a posthumous medal on his behalf. He passed away of natural causes following multiple strokes after the attack. Five people died in the riot. After four days and 13 ballots, Kevin McCarthy believes victory is near. We'll come back tonight, and I believe at that time we'll have the votes to finish this once and for all. It just reminds me of what my father always told me. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. 
The U.S. McCarthy. House of Representatives has adjourned until 10 p.m. after McCarthy flipped a number of the votes he needs to become speaker. Oh, the California lawmaker gained backing today from 15 of his former oh, hardline opponents, but he is still three short of the 217 needed, despite making deep concessions to win the job. Prince Harry is receiving criticism after saying he killed 25 Taliban militants in Afghanistan. He has written about how he justified to himself what he was doing. I can understand and appreciate that. But in terms of the detail, I personally wouldn't have gone there, but it's done now. In his memoir, the prince writes that in the heat of battle, he regarded enemy combatants as pieces being removed from a chessboard. Some veterans and armed forces leaders in Britain say publishing a casualty count violates an unspoken military code and could increase the security risk for him and for British forces around the world. Harry served as an Apache helicopter co-pilot gunner in 2012 and 2013. Ottawa has a warning tonight for Canadian travelers to parts of western Mexico. If you plan to go soon, perhaps give that idea a rethink. And if you are there already, take precautions. CTV's Joyce Napier has details on the danger. When Canadians booked a stay in Mexico recently, one of the favorite sunny destinations, this is not what they expected, at least not until now. Roadblocks, burnt vehicles, clashes between members of one of Mexico's drug cartels and soldiers now patrolling the streets in the western region of the country. We saw black helicopters going around, so I knew that there was something going on. Former Manitoba Grand Chief Sheila North is vacationing in the area with her family, an all-inclusive Sunwing package, and she is hoping for a flight home. While many Canadian tourists remain barricaded in their hotels and dozens of flights are delayed or cancelled. The violence in western Mexico began after a pre-dawn security operation Thursday in which security forces captured alleged drug trafficker Ovidio the Mouse Guzman, who is the son of former cartel boss Joaquim El Chapo Guzman. I tell you, it's very unnerving, and I'm hoping and praying for the best. Um, but, you know, it's not an easy feeling, that's for sure. With Global Affairs advising Canadians to avoid all non-essential travel to the region, due to widespread violence and security operations in Sinaloa State, Canadians who are already in the area should limit movements and shelter in place if possible, avoid areas where demonstrations and large gatherings are taking place, and not attempt to cross road blockades even if they appear unattended. The authorities of the three levels of government continue to work to control the situation, said the Secretary of Public Security. They continue to invite citizens to stay off the streets. The Canadian government says it is following the situation in the region. This as the Prime Minister is set to leave for Mexico City on Monday with a delegation for the North American Leaders Summit, where he will meet with the U.S. and Mexican presidents. The outbreak of violence will likely be on the agenda. Joyce Napier, CTV News, Ottawa. Damar Hamlin's teammates leapt to their feet, clapped and yelled when they saw him. The Buffalo Bills safety made a surprise appearance via video during a team meeting today. As you know, right away, um, he flexed, he flexed, uh, he flexed on him, I guess. And uh, um, he's just got some staple things that they know him for and that he does. I mean, he made the heart, the heart symbol probably more than anything. Um, and then he gave him a thumbs up. 
Hamlin is now breathing and walking on his own. The 24-year-old is also able to speak. Yesterday, doctors at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center said Hamlin has made substantial progress. The team has not said whether his status remains critical or whether he's been moved from intensive care. Hamlin went into cardiac arrest during Monday night's game against the Bengals. Meanwhile, the Bills will wear a number three patch on their jerseys during Sunday's regular season finale at home against New England. The NFL also plans to show support during all Week 18 games. Hamlin's number will be painted on the 30-yard line. There will be pregame shirts with Love for Damar 3, as well as a pregame moment of support. He's got Joshua walks, walks in. The on-ice celebrations are over, but off the ice, they're probably still going on nearly a day after Canada's overtime victory against the Czech Republic and clinching the country's second straight junior men's title. The partying was not reserved for just Halifax, where the hockey championship took place. Closer to home, a lot of eyeballs were glued to their screens throughout the thriller, both old and young. CTV's Austin Delaney is live with reaction from fans here, including one specific group of girls. Austin? Like everyone's talking about it. They're also talking about the game the night before against the USA. Not just the action on the ice, but also the atmosphere in the arena. In this arena tonight, they're playing in awe. It is the first day of the annual Scarborough Sharks Classic, and of course, the day after. When these girls were glued to their TVs, watching and learning, as Canada's juniors took the gold in classic style. They proved to me that... Like, they skate hard, so it made me want to skate hard and try to be like them someday. I said before the game, I was like, I'm going to try to be like Bedard and try my hardest, you know? I like that Canada won. Does it, did it inspire you at all? No. Do you know who inspires me? My coach, Chris. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, do you want to meet Chris? Yeah, okay, bring Chris over. Chris, come here. Coach Chris says he brought the junior's game to the dressing room. We talked about how they moved the top puck. We talked about how, how their play situations work. We talked about their ethic, talked about how they work, and, and the results they get from it. Fans from one end of the country to the other were cheering on Canada, which had blown a two-goal lead in the third, forcing overtime against Chechia. The crowd in the Halifax arena, lucky enough to get tickets, went wild. Oh man, watching that hockey game, man, it's like so electric, like sitting in those stands, it's like, holy crap, man, like, I can't even explain it, you gotta be there, man, like, it's the most, it's the hypest thing I've ever been to in my life. I've never seen the arena like this. Honestly, it's, it's surreal, I, since I've been a kid, I've been watching the World Juniors, and today it's all coming alive now, at 31 years old, I'm cheering for 18-year-old kids, it's absolutely amazing, and I couldn't let's be happier. Go! Let's go! And at Real Sports in Toronto, they cheered on the future of hockey. It's so awesome. I knew they had it. Overtime, I didn't want, but this is great. So exciting, that tournament. I'm already hearing people planning to go to the next one. That's in Sweden next year. We're putting live. I'm Austin Delaney. Thanks, Austin. Coming up, badly injured on vacation over the holidays. The efforts to bring a Toronto woman home to a hospital bed.
And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, we all know that grocery prices have been skyrocketing lately, but what has been going on with the price of lettuce? Some stores are selling lettuce not much bigger than a baseball for almost $5. Is there any relief in sight? I'll have my report. That's just ahead. The first week of January will be remembered for being soggy. In fact, we picked up a month's worth of rain in only a couple of days. It will also be remembered for being mild. Our average daytime high is minus two degrees, but we are yet to see that temperature fall below freezing so far in 2023. Again, that could change tonight, but our long range forecast, it remains above seasonal. We'll take you through it coming up in your forecast and stay with us. We have another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Grocery prices increased by more than 10% last year, meaning the average family of four had to pay an additional $1,000 for the exact same food. Prices are expected to go up another 5 to 7% this year, and there is one item on your grocery list that has tripled in price. CTV's Pat Foran is here with the latest. Pat? Thank you, Pauline and Michelle. A perfect storm of disease, cold weather, and inflation have caused lettuce prices to increase dramatically over the past two months. Canada imports about a half a billion dollars worth of lettuce from the U.S., and growers there say relief should soon be on the way. California's Salinas Valley has been called the salad bowl of North America. Lettuce growers there lost about one-third of their crop, which caused lettuce prices to increase in Canada and the U.S. Lettuce pricing spiked in response to uh, significant volume decreases, particularly over uh, the month of November. In the fall, Canadian importers of lettuce said that a case that would normally sell for $50 was selling for $150. It's, it's probably triple the price it should be at this time of the year. The high prices have continued. This week, we spotted this small head of lettuce, not much bigger than a baseball, selling for almost $5. Many shoppers say they've had to take lettuce off their grocery list. They are really, really small, and then it's so pricey. But what can we do, though? That's very expensive. And um, I don't know. I'm hoping the price will go down pretty soon. Even American rapper Cardi B went on Twitter to vent about the high price of groceries, especially lettuce. I went to a supermarket and I'm seeing that everything tripled up. That like lettuce was like $2 a couple of months ago and now it's like 7 Of course I'm going to say something. Due to the price hikes and shortages, some restaurants have had to switch to kale or spinach to use in their salads. Despite the high prices, Sylvain Charlebois, professor of food research, says the supply of lettuce is increasing and prices should start to come down soon. Arizona supplying us with some good lettuce, Mexico as well. California growers agree, saying the price for lettuce should be falling in most grocery stores. The supplies have increased, they are growing, and thus correspondingly prices should be stabilizing and, and 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 in many cases dropping so if you've been putting off having a salad there may be some relief soon for lettuce prices and charlebois says food prices are expected to rise five to seven percent this year stopping about halfway through the year while they may not continue to increase there is nothing to suggest they will come down either on your side i'm pat foran if you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Well, the, oh, it was supposed to be a carefree vacation in the Dominican Republic, but a Toronto woman has instead suffered a life-changing ordeal. 
paralyzed in a water slide accident, stuck for more than a week without a hospital bed to come home to. CTV's Allison Hurst has the story and a late-breaking update. Karina McCoy lays in her hospital bed, paralyzed with limited use of her hands. My ability to walk every hour, every day is being diminished. She was at a Punta Cana resort with her son for Christmas when she went down a resort slide, got stuck, and was struck by someone behind her. It ended up breaking my neck and caused a bulge disc. She says the surgeon cleared her to go home as of the 29th, but after more than a week, she was feeling desperate. I'm still an emergency patient. I'm paralyzed. Why can I not land in Toronto at Pearson? And why can an ambulance not take me like any other ambulance? to an emergency room. Flying a patient home and leaving them at an emergency room is known in the travel industry as dumping. Very rare and frowned upon. In October, 88-year-old Carmen Pace suffered a stroke in Malta. She was dropped at St. Joe's emergency room without a secured bed. That could be an option. It's not one that's favoured by, uh, by the ministry uh, and uh, can pose some risk if perhaps uh, there was a better facility that could have provided more expeditious and focused cover, particularly for someone who's in this type of situation. McCoy says she opted to go to any hospital in Ontario that would take her. I'm now going to be in a foreign country with my only tool is, you know, semi-working hands and an iPhone and Google Translate. That is now my health care. Late this afternoon, CTV News learned a bed had been secured for McCoy, and after more than a week of waiting in the Dominican Republic, she will be on her way home tomorrow. Alison Hurst, CTV News. To your weather forecast now, here we are. The first weekend of the new year has arrived, oh. and it has been kind of an unsettled week. It's been mild, though. We're going to see the sun soon. Yes, in a few days. Right, Lindsay? Right, right. You know <laughs> what? Maybe even as early as tomorrow we'll see the sun. We're going to start off, though, cloudy. It's going to take a few hours for that cloud cover to break up. If we don't get a lot of sun tomorrow, don't worry. There's plenty on the way for Sunday, and in fact, most days next week have the promise of at least some sun. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand, it's hard to stop a train. Well, between the lack of snow recently, the rain this week, and of course the mild temperatures, skiing and snowboarding may not exactly be coming to mind, but many resorts are making it work with what they have. Our CTV News chopper flew over Upland Ski Club just south of the 407 near Young Street today, and many winter enthusiasts were out there enjoying the conditions still. If you are waiting on a weather pattern change, maybe you're hoping to do some snowmobiling, for example, there's some good news in the forecast. This is going to take some time for us to get into the cooler air and see more snow. Uh, I find it interesting that just about every Canadian city, major Canadian city tomorrow, again, across the country, is going to be above seasonal. So we're not the only ones dealing with some mild air. We are going to get a little bit of a cool down for the middle part of next week. It looks like on Wednesday, temperatures will be near normal. But ahead of that, we're still above seasonal. Overnight tonight, it's possible that we will slip below freezing. Minus 2 degrees is what we're forecasting. Tomorrow, 2 degrees on the plus side, starting off the day cloudy. And then gradually, we're expecting some breaks in that cloud and likely some sunny skies by the late afternoon. 
afternoon, even more so into the day on Sunday. We do have high pressure that's going to settle into place. It's not going to completely uh, send the clouds away. High pressure often means an absence of active weather or cloud cover. We're still going to see a little bit here and there. So let me show you what the forecast radar is suggesting. Maybe a few flurries for some overnight tonight. There's the noon hour tomorrow. So if you're a little farther away from the lake, you're likely to see a little bit more in the way of sun. Still hugging the shoreline of Lake Ontario through the afternoon by late afternoon just before the sun sets we'll hopefully get some of those brighter skies and then there's the promise of even uh, brighter conditions into the day on Sunday and beyond so let's take you through your seven day forecast a few different things to show you here uh, Monday daytime high around three degrees similar situation into Tuesday there is a chance of a few flurries on Tuesday starting Tuesday night this is when the cooler air is going to settle in it's temporary we're looking at one day uh, on Wednesday where the temperature is where it should be minus two degrees then Thursday we're back around the freezing mark. A few flurries in store for Friday. Generally speaking, this is a cooler seven-day forecast, but we remain at or above seasonal most days overall. And no major snowstorms in the short-range forecast either. That's your look at the weather for now. Pauline, over to you. All right, thanks very much, Lindsay. Also tonight, a new year, new beginning. Ukrainian dancers take center stage in Toronto and then embark on a new life in Canada. It's a new year and a new beginning for those who have recently arrived in Canada. Among those, many Ukrainians, including a pair of dancers searching for jobs and a new home. It was a moment of glory on stage as Vlad Romashenko and his wife Olga Postonak starred in a Toronto production of The Nutcracker. They had responded to a chance posting by Toronto ballet teacher Tatiana Stepanova, herself born in the Ukraine, who was hoping to find Ukrainian talent to put in the spotlight. The two had been principal dancers in Kyiv and had thought about coming to Canada years before the February invasion by Russia forced them to move quickly and it's been a challenge. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> so sometimes it's really difficult because it's a little bit different than Ukraine. But uh, when it gets really difficult, some, you meet some persons who help you, like um, some miracles, you know. Postanak and her husband have been teaching at a gymnastic school and some ballet classes, but what they really want is a job with a Canadian ballet company. We dream about it, but we know that they are not having uh, contracts now, so we will try to apply to audition. Another recent arrival from Ukraine who performed the dual role of the father and the mouse king in Nutcracker is working in construction by day, something Stepanova says is honorable but not what he was trained since childhood to do. It's very tough to talk about this, but we're fighting here on stage for them. Immigration lawyer Ksenia Cheren says thousands of recently arrived Ukrainians are in the same boat, often limited by language skills or lack of Canadian work experience. You know, we're definitely having a second wave right now, essentially because of the, you know, missile attacks on power plants and there's not being hot water, electricity. Canada's agreement with Ukraine allows people to visit for up to three years with open work permits, but no guarantees of what kind of work they can do or what happens after three years. You know, within the Canadian legal immigration community, we've been discussing, you know, what's possibly to come. 
And, you know, there isn't anything really certain yet. Vlad and Olga fear for their families back in Ukraine. I worry, I worry uh, too much because, for example, today it was uh, one more time missiles on Kiev on all of Ukraine, so it's still yeah, dangerous. Right. Still, they are grateful to Canada and hopeful for the future. Yeah, believe in miracles. Yeah. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Last Men's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. After the break, as Canada's latest job numbers defy expectations, move over quiet quitting. Seems there's a new way to look for work. Rage applying is all the rage. Supercharge your meals. Monday on CP24 Breakfast. Get healthy, affordable ideas to curb cravings in the new year. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. The lady was uh, unresponsive uh, when I arrived. Updating our top stories, a female pedestrian was sent to hospital with life-threatening injuries after a light pole was struck by a truck and fell on her. It happened near Young and Hillsdale Avenue just before 3.30 this afternoon. We are now uh, speaking with the driver and the company to determine exactly what happened. Also a highway hassle today after the raised bed of a truck hit an overhead sign on the 401 in Whitby causing it to collapse. OPP located and charged a person late this afternoon. And Toronto Hydro has been working on several large-scale power outages across the city this evening. About 40,000 customers in Midtown and Scarborough were in the dark for about an hour. And just moments ago, we received word that all services have been restored. The outage being blamed on a loss of supply from provincial partner Hydro One. In business, stocks posted a gain in the first week of trading of 2023. With more, here's Andrew Bell from BNN Bloomberg. Hello there. U.S. stocks are up more than 1% so far this year after plunging 19% in 2022, and Toronto is ahead just over 2%. Today, investors like the look of U.S. job numbers. Those pointed to slower wage growth, and that could cool the pace of interest rate increases. U.S. employers added 4.5 million jobs last year. That was the second biggest gain, going right back to the 1940s. But the Wall Street Journal says the labor market is starting to show signs of stress. Here in Canada, employment soared by more than 100,000 jobs last month. Economists at TD and other banks say they are now looking for the Bank of Canada to hike rates another quarter percentage point on January 25th. However, TD thinks the central bank will halt increases after that. Mind you, the Canadian jobs report is notoriously volatile, with Desjardins calling it a, quote, random number generator. And finally, speaking of jobs, you've heard of quiet quitting, which is the process of stealthily doing less at work. Well, what about rage applying? Yahoo Finance says that is applying for multiple jobs when you're sick of your current one. Workers in social media are sharing success stories. One says, quote, I rage applied to a bunch of jobs instead of strangling my coworker, and I got a $30,000 raise. And it's such a chill place. Let's check in on the markets. The Canadian dollar was at 74.38 US cents, up about three quarters of a cent. 
WTI oil, the North American benchmark, traded at $73.77 US a barrel, up 10 cents. Western Canadian Select Oil changed hands at $47.03, down 6 cents. And the TSX Composite finished the week at 19,814.51, up just over 307 points. That's the latest in business. I'm Andrew Bell of BNN Bloomberg. Toronto is one of the most vibrant, diverse, and interesting cities on the planet. We're a world leader in many areas like business, finance, technology, entertainment, and culture. Each week, Things to Know TO shines a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA that are working to make our city even greater. And one of the world's best places to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know TO. This is Christmas Eve for millions of Orthodox Christians here in the GTA and around the world. In Belgrade, worshippers gathered outside the biggest Orthodox church in the Balkans to burn oak branches. The young oak tree symbolizes Christ and his entry into the world. In Greece, swimmers competed today to retrieve a floating cross during an event marking Epiphany. Participants believe good fortune will come their way, and the person who recovers the cross will be freed from evil spirits and will be healthy throughout the year. The blessings of the water ceremony is held in a number of countries around the world. And here at home, the weather will cooperate for your weekend. We're going to get uh, some sun, and then yeah. we're done with the rain and the snow. We are for, for yeah. now, <laughs> and uh, we're not quite done with the mild temperatures, though. And it's interesting. I'm going to go on the record and say that I'm kind of ready for winter. I don't know about you, too. <laughs> so are the skiers. Yeah, and no that's, borders. That's what I'm thinking of. I think those who enjoy wintertime activities are ready for a change. And if we're going to get winter, I think I'd rather get it now as opposed to later. We'll begin with a look at the satellite and radar. Some are seeing a couple of... Uh, spotty showers or some wet flurries, but for the most part, it's dry across southern Ontario. Here's a look at tomorrow's highs. So once again, we're above freezing. We're above seasonal. Two degrees is what we're forecasting. Sunday is the day, though, that I'm really looking forward to. It's possible that our temperature will only be around one degree, but mainly sunny skies are in the forecast. So get outside and enjoy that. One more look at the seven-day forecast. We're in for a little bit of a cool down by the middle part of next week, but overall, this is a pretty quiet and pleasant seven-day forecast once again, have to wait a little bit longer for some snow. And a reminder about the new Lotto 649 with two big jackpots to be won on one ticket. Saturday's classic jackpot is $5 million, and the new gold ball jackpot is $48 million. You can head to olg.ca for more information. Paulina Michel. Thank you, Lindsay. And that's it for us. Be sure to join John Venavalli Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you so much for watching and have a great weekend. See you later.